0: Your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. In the studio with me today is Kai Fox. She is the executive director of Habitat for Humanity of the Greater Lacrosse Region. She's been doing that. She just told me right before. Eight, this is your eighth year, 2024, eighth year of doing that as the executive director. Um, but we, we've had you on two, or three times now. Mm-hmm. And we never really, like, got into, like, how do you get into this? And, like, what what is the the origin story of Kaya Fox and being the executive director? And I'll just say on the show today, we're going to talk about housing. uh, The city council next week is committee week. So we're going to talk about ADUs, accessory dwelling units or granny flats. Um, And the homeless plan that was unveiled a couple weeks ago. And just housing in general. But anyway, origin story, Kaya Fox, how do you get into housing?
1: Oh man, so when I was about two years old, no, actually. Um,
0: <laughs> I had a house.
1: <laughs> I was. Barbie
0: Dream House, right?
1: I started um, working in the nonprofit industry right out of college. I, I'm a UWL alumni. And so when I graduated, I started working with a at risk youth mentoring program uh, out of Cooley Cap. And then. Um, when that funding ran out, I went to the National Guard Challenge Academy and, again, worked with some at-risk youth. Uh, and then the housing assistant director position at Cooley Cap opened up, and I loved the organization, so I applied for the position. Uh, and so for 13 years, I was the housing assistant director at Cooley Cap running uh, a lot of the same things that we do at Habitat. So first-time homebuyer programs, housing rehabilitation, new housing development, and so I had a wonderful time but those 13 years working with great people and great programs, you know, helping the community. Uh, And then the position at Habitat for Humanity came up as the executive director and Cooley Cap and Habitat had been partnering for years. So it was a really easy transition and I've been there almost eight years.
0: How many groups like Habitat and would you say Habitat and Cooley Cap are kind of similar in in what you do, right? Like in a way and in terms of housing anyway, right? Oh,
1: absolutely. So the housing programs between the two organizations are quite similar and we still partner to this day.
0: How many Groups in the area, I don't know if you want to just say La Crosse or the region, do, do stuff like that in terms of housing. Like there's many, not a lot of us. No? Okay. Yeah, there's
1: definitely not a lot of us, and there, there could definitely be more of us.
0: Is there, is there, like, how would that happen? Like, how could we get groups in here to, I mean, is it weird? Is it, is it hard for groups to come in and, and help with housing because we just don't have housing? Or would it be easy because we don't have housing?
1: I think you know. Any time that you want to take a look at a, an, an issue that's out there, the biggest you know biggest problem that everybody faces is there's a lot, but not enough money and resources to go around to make it happen. So you know, new programming coming in would mean you know the distribution of already scarce funds would have to be divided even more. So you know, our our policy at Habitat, and I know Coolie Cap is the same thing. It's it's coming together, and how can we? work and think outside the box to come up with solutions to problems and make the dollars that we have stretch farther.
0: Um, the mayor always comes on and says, you know, well, not always, but we, when he comes on, we talk housing. He says, that's the number one issue in lacrosse, a lack of housing. Can you, can you better, like, what would you, how would you describe the dilemma that lacrosse has when it comes to housing? Is it, uh, there aren't enough houses. <laughs> you, maybe you could rank them because these are all problems. There aren't enough houses. There isn't enough land. The housing is too expensive. Uh, there isn't enough new. I don't know. Like what, you have, we should rank them. <laughs> but off the top of your head, that would be hard to do. I think.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. But I, I think the top two would definitely be the price of housing and then the lack of access. So there's there's not enough, and and a lot of times those two things play hand in hand. I was
0: going to say the lack of access could just be that I can't afford because you show me a chart. And it's like, I can't afford a 200, like the bottom level house right now, entry level house is $260,000. Well, okay, well I'm out of the market then, right then and there.
1: Yep, so if you take a look at housing across the United States, you know, we all know that the housing prices have gone up and up and up, but the actual share of low income housing the prices has been overburdened on those low income houses so we see you know upper level houses the rise in cost going up but we see a much more dramatic spike in the cost of affordable homes and so they're bearing more of the burden on the increase in the housing market because there's not enough affordable homes those homes are now at a premium and so you know sellers can sell even you know, sell their affordable homes for even more than some of the higher end homes because there's such a demand for it. Yeah. And so it's it's causing a greater burden on our low income individuals because those prices have grown exorbitantly compared to other types. Yeah, of the
0: million dollar house is like a million two hundred thousand, one point two million now, and the hundred fifty thousand dollar house is double or Correct. more than double. Right. Correct. Like that's kind of the dilemma we're in. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Kyle Fox going to hang out this hour. If you've got questions, shoot me a text, give me a call. Uh, we're, the other things we're going to talk about, I mentioned ADUs. Uh, the city-county homeless plan, we could talk about Habitat's role in that. Uh, the governor's state of the state address is tonight. Uh, do you think, I, I was just, well, we could say this. Do you think he will mention A, housing, or B, homelessness?
1: I would be very surprised if housing doesn't feature and a lot of what he's talking
0: about. Oh, you think so? Okay. I am hoping. So. I never, I never listened to those, so I would know. Do you listen to them? Oh, you, absolutely. You, I'm you do.
1: Such a politics nerd. So. Oh yes.
0: really? Okay. I, the the best um, state of the state, this is going to be terrible now. That I think about it. The best state of the state address was when Mark Dayton passed out. He was the Minnesota governor.
1: Oh yeah.
0: He had something happened to him, which is not funny at all. But they didn't do the state of the state address, so they just released the text and then you could just read it and you're like oh this is much easier than having to listen to somebody <laughs> like like when when like we're in an in a Instagram TikTok age where a lot of videos are just um, pictures like pictures and videos of things but somebody's like reading you or the stats come up and i'm like can you just put this in the text so i can read it because it will take me 15 seconds to read all this but it's a two-minute video. Like, oh, I don't need the video.
1: Give me the cliff
0: notes. Yeah, 608-785-7914. All right, we'll be back in a minute. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom In the studio with me is the Habitat for Humanity of the Greater Lacrosse Area. Region. Region. I think
1: <laughs> you were Kaia so Kyle Fox. He's the executive
0: it. director there. And I, this is the instrumental version of Wrecking Ball, apparently.
1: Is that what this is?
0: That's a weird way to have. Uh, there we
1: <laughs> <there go. laughs>
0: I, I play wrecking ball because you guys, you know, sometimes you come in. Habitat comes yep. in with a wrecking ball. I don't know if you have you ever have you ever literally had to use a wrecking ball in a house? Nope,
1: not that's not, not your style, ball. right? No, definitely not. Definitely you want to? You come Miley in with Cyrus. like the
0: electric screwdriver and you unscrew every screw so you could save every piece of wood, right?
1: Absolutely, <laughs> we're going to take that to the restore. We're not putting it in the landfill.
0: So, okay, selfishly, no, this isn't really selfishly. Real world scenario. I'm getting a new garage door. The garage door I have. Do you want? Do you guys want garage doors?
1: We'll take garage doors,
0: even if it has a big dent in it. Hmm. Yeah. What would I? What would someone do if they have? I have a. Th- I'm getting. I'm getting a thing replaced. And maybe you guys want it. Like what? Send you a bunch of pictures. Oh like yeah, how, Is there a way to do that in the website?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we actually have a, an online pickup form, and you can actually download pictures of the items that you want us to come pick up, and we'll yay or nay it before we even show okay. Hmm.
0: What about uh the fridge that my garage fridge that works, but it is, you know, like that garage, you know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah. the garage I, fridge.
1: I guarantee you we have had a lot of garage fridges donated to yeah. Fremade. Yeah, we we would sell and refrigerators. You, you bet. As long as they work.
0: All right. So that's uh what is the weirdest thing that like somebody has asked you to come pick up? Is it do you have one of those?
1: Uh tanning bed.
0: Tanning bed? That's mm-hmm. did it work? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah, that- if it didn't work, would you take it? Because I feel like tanning bed fixer upper guy. Do you have one of those guys?
1: <laughs> I don't even know where to start looking for guy. <laughs> right. That would probably, it, it probably cost guy. you
0: more money to figure it out than it would to, but, but maybe you can use the, I don't know. How would you recycle a tanning bed if you got it? You don't want to throw it out, but like maybe you would just sell it as is and say, hey, 50 bucks, someone can,
1: yep, absolutely. You, you
0: fix it yep, if you want.
1: Absolutely. It took a while to sell, but it sold.
0: <clears throat> All right. Um, Oh, I'm on the wrong page here. Okay, what do you Okay, I I want to talk about ADUs. Do you think ADUs would be more a bigger conversation than the homeless plan that the city and the county announced? Well,
1: I think ADUs is kind of a hot topic because it's something coming up.
0: Yeah, the oh. city and the count the, it's committee week next week in the city of La Crosse. so um and and we had two public meetings. Did you go to either of the public meetings? No, one I was, was on, online and then one was
1: Yeah, online. we I was unable to attend, but we've had uh individuals from our uh advocacy committee who have been on top of all of this.
0: Yeah. And so, okay, we'll do accessory dwelling units in a minute. Um, but the city and the county un- unveiled their homeless plan a couple of weeks ago. I want to say it was two weeks ago now. Uh, it's called Pathways Home. I think the the, the main key from that is they want to end homelessness in the city of La Crosse, get to functional zero, and I don't do you, do, when you see that, do you feel like that's realistic? It's a five year plan. So if, I feel like that's a long time to do that, but also maybe not.
1: Oh I think the plan's quite reasonable. You know, so there's a lot of data out there from other municipalities and cities and things across the country where you know, when you put the right structure in place, you work with the right entities, you have a plan moving forward, you invest in the idea of eliminating homelessness in your community. There have been a ton of different communities that have gotten to functional zero and definitely communities that are far bigger than the city of La Crosse and had a far bigger homelessness issue. So it's, it's definitely possible. Um, it takes a lot of work. It n- needs the right pieces in place, but I think the city is starting in the right direction.
0: I think the city is in a unique place, and I don't have a ton of experience here. I'm just going off like what I've learned so far. Where you talk about far bigger cities have a far bigger homeless problem, uh-huh. right? Well, they're bigger, so they're like the per capita of homeless, right, would be bigger as well. But I think Lacrosse is in a unique situation. So uh, the last numbers we got, there's 220 people that are homeless in Lacrosse, the city, and of those 220, 114 of them are chronically or no unsheltered, so they don't they're like living outside right now. So 114 of the 220. And Lacrosse's population is so small that that number is probably bigger than most cities around, you know, probably Wisconsin or the area where the, you know, the, so the problem, and then, okay, so the problem seems to be a little bit bigger in Lacrosse, and also then the resources are stretched even thinner, right? Like, does that make sense?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I do think that, you know, 115 unhoused, unsheltered people is a lot, you know that's a lot of people sleeping outdoors every night, um, and it's probably one of the bigger ones in you know, yeah, Wisconsin. To, but it's- to
0: compare, Eau Claire has fifty-three, and Sheboygan, Eau Claire. This might be Lacrosse County, so one hundred fourteen Lacrosse County, Eau Claire County fifty-three, Sheboygan County twenty-three. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's double her. Well, triple if you want to say to Eau Claire, almost triple. Um, yeah, that seems like a lot. OK, so the part of the plan when the, the, the pathways home plan that the city and the county part of that plan was to bring all the entities that work with homelessness under one umbrella. and We're going to take a leadership role. We've never really taken a leadership role. We probably need to all come together and do that. Has Habitat, does Habitat have a role in that? Did they come to you? What's, what's the, I guess, what's the
1: role? Yeah. So we've been asked to be part of their um, different committees that they have that are looking at some of the different issues. And we definitely have staff that are participating in that. So we definitely want to be part of the conversation as the lead entity for the housing advocacy committee. You know, it's our job to make sure that all of the folks interested in advocating for housing in our community are on top of, you know, what's going on with this plan. So we're trying to stay ahead of the pulse of the all of this, all of the different housing issues, but definitely homelessness.
0: Um, you say you were a political nerd and you're going to wa- maybe you'll watch the State of the State Address tonight. Governor Evers is going to give. Um, I don't know if, I don't think he'll mention homeless, but you said he'll definitely mention housing. Um, do you, like when it comes to Habitat, how does the state help you guys so that you can help with housing?
1: Oh, absolutely. So you know we've got to take a look at our local resources, but the state and and what decisions they're making on housing is also very important. So we uh, supported some legislation at the state level using some of the surplus funds that the state had in their budget. Uh, they passed three different housing bills that you know dedicated money to the development of uh, affordable housing in our community. It was focused on rental housing. You know, so obviously at Habitat we would like to see some funding that's going to home ownership for first-time homeowners. Um, but we were very excited to see opportunities for the development of affordable rental housing in the in the state of Wisconsin. Um, and so we're right now working with our habitat affiliates across the state to support some additional gap funding for individuals trying to get into homes. So how can we help low-income homeowners kind of bridge that gap between what they can afford, and what prices of housing is going for nowadays. I
0: know you're trying to be nice, but when the state passes three things and they're all rental housing, do you just kind of roll your eyes a little bit? Because I don't – in La Crosse especially, that's not – we don't need that, right? Like we have plenty of rentals. We don't have plenty of affordable housing units.
1: Oh, I think that's something that gets – Forgotten often, and and part of the reason for that is that it's so much easier to add units when you're talking about rental housing. You know, you can convert existing space, you can build a building that has a hundred rental units. You know, but when you're talking about home ownership, you're typically talking about you know a single family or or a small number of houses. So your bang for your buck a lot of times yeah. is a lot lower. And then the the data and driving numbers, it's it's easier to report on. We created, you know. 4,000 units of affordable housing, then we've you know, created 500 new homes for families yeah. to purchase. And so, you know, I understand the sentiment, but it also means that because we're working in the home ownership realm, that a lot of times that funding kind of misses us.
0: Does somebody need to just come in and build a skyscraper and make it, like like Seinfeld, Jerry lived in an apartment. He owned that. I, I'm doing a show from the 80s and 90s now, but um, I think people know what Seinfeld is. And, and Kramer owned his apartment and lived next door. And Elaine was going to move in upstairs but those were apartments that they bought they weren't you know yeah, co-op what if somebody have... just built a skyscraper and it had 50 floors and you know i don't know how many apartments could be on a floor but man that would really that would really chip into the the, the housing complex we have
1: absolutely and and we have some co-op housing in in lacrosse it's not it's few and far between but that is absolutely an option the problem that comes with that is that there's a lot of you know, square pay ground hole that works with that. So you know, different zoning will fit with rental housing development, but it won't fit with home ownership. And so, there's a lot of different hoops and variances that you might have to go through if you wanted to develop that type of housing where it converts to home ownership as opposed to rentals. So, you know, there's a lot of different things that you know, as communities, we need to start taking a look at. You know, outside of what we traditionally think of, quote unquote, home ownership, um, to have. You know, maybe not everybody wants a backyard. Maybe not everybody wants a standalone unit. Maybe not everybody wants twenty four hundred square feet. Um, but they would like to invest in something that is theirs and is appreciating in value, and that their rent, you know, their payment every month is not going nowhere. Um, and but it's really hard because that's reimagining our communities and right. what we.
0: Well, the first thing people would be like a fifty story building. You're like oh, I can't see the river then. You know, like that would be the first thing. I'm sorry for the people I think away but uh but then it's like well we have a bank building across the road and it's not 50 stories and 50 stories i'm exaggerating a little bit but um do we complain about that and even with the the Kmart lot right they i think they're going to build like a four story unit there and people were complaining even then that i won't be able to see the bluff what i guess when you're at the stoplight by the old Kmart and you look left and you can't see the bluff right like
1: and I think that's, that's what communities need to start reimagining because, you know, there's always this idea of what we want, but also we have to balance that with what we need in our communities. And, you know, lack of housing, just, you know, front doors that people can open, whether it's in a standalone single family home or an apartment building, you know, there's just not enough of them in La Crosse. And so how do we take a look at what we traditionally have held as what we want our housing to look like and create something that is meeting the needs of our community?
0: As the story was it came out today. Um, if I can find it, I just want to. It's the bridge story. I don't know if you've seen this. So the the state, no, the feds are going to give a billion dollars to fix this bridge in Superior that goes to Minnesota, Bil- Duluth Superior Bridge. And I don't know how long the bridge is. I think it's like a mile long. I'm, I'm not. I I actually tried to Google how long the bridge was, and I could not find it. Um, but it looked pretty long and the bridge itself is going to cost i think it's 2 billion dollars so the state's going to give four each state is going to give 400 million the feds are going to give a billion to pay for this 1.8 billion dollar bridge and i'm thinking like okay so if it costs 1.8 billion dollars to fix a bridge and it, how much would it cost to build anything right like when we building a skyscraper that would be housing man and then, okay, so somebody comes in and goes, "We are going to build a skyscraper, but now rent is going to be, or it, the cost of each of those apartments, because I don't want rent; I want an apartment, is going to be 50, 60. I have no idea how much an apartment. How much does an apartment cost if you want to buy one in New York? You ever look at that? Well,
1: I have never priced up <laughs> pout- apartment it. building in like, New York. How, how much I can't is even Seinf- Yeah,
0: how much is Seinfeld's apartment going for nowadays? Like it's it's not very big. It's the kitchen, living room, and a bed. One, I think it's a one bedroom. Yep. Um, so it would,
1: it'd be far greater than my income and your income. You think it would be
0: like $500,000? Oh, it'd probably be more
1: than but that. But
0: here it wouldn't be that. But if you have to build a skyscraper and if it's costing $2 billion to, I, I think they're going to replace the bridge. I don't think they're going to like uh-huh. fix it. $2 billion to build a bridge. So I, I feel like it's probably going to cost $2 billion to build a, a skyscraper that would be housing. So then then the affordability comes into in the factor. Like, I think, is that one of the biggest dilemmas right now is it costs so much to build crap that we can't, Oh, that's a hundred
1: percent, and that's why the affordable housing end of it is taking such a big hit. Because if you're going to be a developer, why you can't afford to develop affordable housing? You know, your your profit analysis is just not going to work out because you're not getting enough back from the sale of that house. So that's why it's falling to the wayside. And one of the things we've seen is that we're reactionary to the housing crisis, and so you know, instead of investing money now and making sure that you know our people are being housed, we wait until it gets really bad, and then we people out, and when the system becomes so broken that there's nothing we can do but you know throw money at it to help fix it, that's when. And then the respond. fix
0: isn't a fix; it's a more of a band aid, right? And then we're just baby-stepping our way to, uh, and we're not keeping up. That's like <clears throat> the 360 real estate solution at the Kmart. They need. They actually asked the city council to put it off. I can't remember the time frame anymore, but it was like months and months, maybe ten months a year or something like that and talking to to them on the show they said well if we did it now rent would be like $2500 but if we do it later when costs are down then rent would be more affordable i think 1800 or whatever it was i'm throwing numbers out there but i mean that's the dilemma of building now but sometimes that doesn't happen like you wait and then the building costs never go down
1: oh absolutely and we're not seeing the drop in prices like you know we were promised you know don't worry if you just get another 12 months down the road you know, we're going to start seeing, you know, the price of drywall dropping. And, and we're not seeing that. We're not seeing those, you know, budget reliefs that we thought we were going to see. And so I think, you know, these this, we'll will flow this down the river a little bit before we decide on anything or whether we make any changes, you know, down the river we're going to find ourselves, you know, in a tidal wave and then we're going to have to really react. So I think it's, you know, the smarter heads than I am need to come together and start figuring out ways that we can deal with the issue today rather than later and think about the long-term impacts and, you know, the long-term predictions on where things are truly going. And so, and it's real, you know, 360 Real Estate, at the end of the day, you know, they need to pay their employees. They're they're there to make profit off of these developments. We can't ask, you know, our developers or our nonprofits to be taking a loss to develop housing. But nowadays, you know, if you want to make a decision, you've got to have, you know, a positive margin at the end and, and affordable housing just isn't giving you those... Those margins.
0: What I came away from that whole thing was can you have tidal waves on rivers? I don't know if you can.
1: I feel like
0: maybe. <laughs> maybe if it's a big enough boat. Um, all right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with Kai Fa- Fox, the Executive Director of Habitat for Humanity of the Greater Lacrosse Region, in a couple of minutes. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Kai Fox, the Executive Director of the Habitat for Humanity of the Greater Lacrosse Region, in studio with me. I got my refrigerator take out of there, my garage door cake. I'll have to send you pictures of that later. And I'm not even going to do the website. I'm just going to bug you with. No, I'm just kidding. I'll, f- <laughs> I'll try to find on the website. Send. So so people, if you have stuff out there, you're like, God, I kind of want to get rid of this. I'm not really sure. It is kind of junky. Well, maybe Habitat will take it anyway. Just uh, go on the website and, and find where you can submit photos, and they'll decide if they want your, your crap. Um, Bill texts it in. And so we're talking about housing and we're going to get into the, the ADUs in a minute, the accessory dwelling units or the in-law house or the the garage that you have that you don't park your car in anymore that you could convert into a home or a rental and the city says no, you can't do that and that's what they're going to be discussing next week. But when we talk about we need more housing, Bill just texts in, what about tiny homes?
1: Oh, absolutely. So we've been talking about tiny homes for years at Habitat for Humanity. So, um, And I actually just saw a really crazy statistic today um, that since 1975, the average square footage of a home has doubled. Where, fa- But family sizes have gone down significantly. Yeah. So there's less kids, there's less people in the house, but the actual square footage of the house has doubled since mm-hmm. 1975. So we're putting way more space out there to live in than we really truly need, you know. So the picture of what a traditional house is, is is really fairly recent, these giant homes. Um, and the average uh, square footage of a home in the United States is 2,400 square feet, you know. So that's, that's the median, and we've doubled that since 1975. So, you know, tiny homes is kind of actually hailing back to where we were before. Yeah,
0: in a society, our thought process, you could just look at our cars, yep. which aren't cars anymore. They're trucks, and they're not, they're giant suvs that are tanks that get 12 miles a gallon and uh we just live in a society where bigger is it's not better but more prevalent and what we uh, what we got used to and that's also the case with homes but so when it comes to all right i want to buy a new home i'm a new homeowner. i've come from my parents home which is probably pretty big right is that what we're thinking and then we go okay i got to get a home like that or bigger Right. Or bigger. Yeah. And like that, we have to, I guess we have to change our our muscle memory in that regard. Oh,
1: absolutely. And it's it's generational. So, you know, we compare ourselves to the things that we know within our generation. And so we say, well, that's the way it's always been. And, And actually it hasn't you know, we had smaller homes and we had smaller square footage and we were very happy and we put more people in that square footage. And so, yeah, tiny homes is definitely a great answer. I mean, just because of the size, they're cheaper to make. You can put more of them in a space, but, you know, just like the size of our homes have changed, our zoning in our municipalities have changed to, you know, bigger houses, you know, bigger minimum square footage that you have to have in order to get a permit and, you know, larger yards. Um, And so, we have changed our laws to fit with what we want to see in our houses. And so moving back to those tiny homes is going to take a lot of effort because, you know, right now, most zoning codes does not allow for tiny homes in communities. And oh, so really? Right. The would, city in here? Yep. There A couple of years ago, we had somebody that was uh, trying to get that move forward and it, it didn't make its way Why, through. We
0: don't allow just... Like, I just want to build a tiny... Like, we don't allow that? I feel like there's tiny homes by the police department. What are those things? Those
1: are not tiny homes, and (laughs) and I'm thinking that there was probably a lot of variances for that because of the way that it's set up. Do you know what those
0: are? What are those?
1: They're smaller homes. They they are
0: are homes. Okay. Yep,
1: absolutely. Um, They probably wouldn't fit the definition of what people think when they... Tiny homes, they're... You know, you're talking about, you know, a few hundred square feet. Mm -hmm. Um, These are definitely not those. Um, But definitely had to change some things and get some variation, you know, variants from our zoning in order to put those homes in. And so those are not something that's easy to build. It's going to be something that's going to take a lot of effort to get there. So if you want to replicate that, you're going to have to do some work um, to get to that. So
0: the other problem with tiny homes would be like, I want a tiny home, but on an acre. (laughs)
1: Right. (laughs) I, I think a lot of people like that. Yeah. You know, I want space, but I want you know, a smaller home, but yeah, tiny homes is definitely, and and tiny homes have been a solution for homelessness. You know, so a lot of municipalities have taken a look at tiny homes as an option um, to house people who are,
0: I think the tiny homes idea it's okay, but it's kind of stupid because it would just, I'm just going to re revert back to my um, apartment complex or my, whatever whatever you go, skyscraper of apartments that you can buy, which would be just tiny homes stacked on top of each other. Like, can we just do that? Hey, I take take fifty tiny homes and stack them on top of each other, and then stack four rows of those all adjacent to each other, and then put a door on the front and, and an elevator in the middle.
1: Yeah, I think tiny Problem homes. Solved. I think tiny homes have a space. The concern I have with tiny homes is just they're so. And I, when I, I air quote this, they're so new to the market. You know, it's kind of a trendy thing. Uh, my question is, you know, would they be able to maintain value over time? So, if you wanted to use it as an investment. You know, would tiny homes be sellable 10 years from now if we decided tiny homes aren't cool mm-hmm. anymore? But I, I do think they have a place and I think we need to be thinking about that and looking at ways that we can, you know, if it's not tiny homes,
0: take but we, a look. We can't do tiny homes per lot, right? We have to have like, here's a here's a two acre lot that somebody owns and then I'm gonna put, I don't know how many tiny homes would fit out a two acre lot, but X amount of tiny homes on that and then I'm going to sell each little plot, like kind of like a mobile home situation or a, what is it? Tra- what, yep, what are yeah, it would tra- tra-
1: be a manufactured housing.
0: But then you you get the lot, you get mm-hmm. the, the space, but we can't put tiny homes on an acre or a half acre. You can't take a house off across, like a regular house, throw it out and put a tiny home on there or get a new plot of land and put a tiny home on there because that's not helping the, the issue, is it?
1: Yeah, so then you'd have to take a look at your minimum lot sizes. You know, yeah. So a, a tiny home could go on a smaller lot. So instead of, you know... D- one single family home, demolishing it, and putting one tiny home. Do we you know, take down a single family home and put four tiny homes on yeah. it because they take up less space? People,
0: you don't want lawns. A, they're not good for the environment. B, you have to mow them. Like, I live in the woods. It's just like I laugh every day when my neighbors are mowing a lawn because I'm like, <laughs> oh. And then I go home to my parents, and we have, like, the greatest, giantest lawn ever. And dad and mom and be like, hey, why don't you help mow the lawn? I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go home. Um. All right. So let's let's talk about ADUs a little bit. We're talking with Kaya Fox, the executive director of Habitat for Humanity of the Greater Lacrosse Region. ADU is going to be on um, some city committees next week. It's committee week next week, so I think probably the city planning commission will take it up Monday. I guess I didn't look at the agendas aren't really out yet. Like from the ones that I looked at, but ADU essentially. Uh, the easiest way to say this is: I own a house. It's got a, a unattached garage, and I want to convert that garage to, a, 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 like, so it can be livable on its own—kitchen, bathroom, bedroom, essentially, a, a kind of a tiny home. I think garages are bigger than tiny homes, right? Like, even if a it's a, a one-car garage, it would be bigger than a tiny home. Um, and the city has rules against that. And we've put this off for 60 days now, or the city council put it off for 60 days which seemed like a lot of time for something that is a no brainer to me, like, Oh, if I want to convert my garage to something where my kid can live in it or my grandparent could live in it, or I rent it out, like, why do you care? Like, I don't understand the, the, do you have an argument for the city saying, Hey, you can't do what you want to do with your property.
1: So there's been a couple of objections. Um, I think some of the bigger ones is that, you know, this is a pretty, it's not a major change. It's a change in the, in the, Zoning code specific to housing, and so the concern is that this might be kind of a slippery slope um, to some other changes that maybe people in the city don't want to see. Um, there's, you know, like
0: what, like uh, short-term rentals? Would that it, be a thing?
1: That potentially, because we changing,
0: argued about that two two months ago, right?
1: Changing our R one zoning to allow for greater ease of other types of housing to go in R one, you know, greater density, um, you know, so there's there's concern.
0: Wait, which, the argument would be greater debt, like more, <laughs> but you, you wouldn't argue that like, that would be a good thing in oh, your book, right? Oh, we love that and have
1: it, have yeah. yes. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, I think, so there's the talk that, you know, once you start making a change, is that going to lead to other changes that could maybe change how we imagine housing in Lacrosse? that diverts from what we traditionally think of? Um, I think there's conversations about, you know, kind of just how that would work, you know, how are they set up on their own electrical and their own sewer and their own water? And so then how does that work? And how do we, you know, thinking about things like the fire department, you know, how do we put address numbers on these houses so that if there's a fire, the fire department knows how to get there. And I'm just going to tell you, Thousands of other municipalities have added ADUs to an allowable, and they figured it out. We can figure it out in the city of La Crosse. The fire department's not worried about it. We can put address numbers on there. Uh, per yeah, you
0: put a little B after the address number. <laughs> there's
1: easy ways to do it, and and you know we're smart people in the city. We can figure it out. Um, and then I and you know then there's the concern, um, you know as as far as the city and the water and the sewer and you know as per the code each one of these houses would be a standalone. So they'd have their own electrical hookup, their own plumbing and septic hookup. um, So that eliminates that concern. You know, they're, they're for all intents and purposes, kind of their own standalone unit they just happen to take up space in somebody's backyard. Um, but it adds to the density. It adds to, you know, the taxability of the city. You know, so you've got a new unit that can be taxed. It provides relief from all of these issues that we've been having with lack of housing in our communities. Um, you know, AARP is a strong national, component. you know, uh, protector of ADUs. They are really, you know, going after you know, municipalities and saying, you know, you need to... Uh, provide these in your communities, and the reason for that is that a lot of them traditionally across the United States are used as kind of aging in place for parents. Um, So kids have houses, and they can have, you know. Do you think a
0: majority of them are used for that?
1: A lot of them. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what that statistic is, but it's actually, it's quite a few, and that's another issue. You know, the baby boomers are aging. Uh, they can't stay in their homes, but there's not enough outside of their home places because there's such a large population of them. So this is a great And we don't
0: situation. want we don't want grandma in our house. We gotta kick her out to the granny flat because, you know oh. she's gonna bug us if she's in here the whole time. No, I'm just or, kidding.
1: Or maybe granny doesn't wanna <clears throat> be
0: Right, know, yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah, <laughs> you're, right. you're right. You're right. Grandma Grandma doesn't want to sit there and listen to you. She wants to do her own thing too. Um yeah, I just I don't see the apprehension. The only apprehension I would say is if you go back to the short-term rentals, if somebody builds that and then just rents it out on the weekend and it doesn't really, what does that provide to the city except for somebody, somebody's here for the weekend? I mean, but, but is that bad? I mean, the, the, the alternative to that is they park their car in the garage or whatever, I guess. Oh, and then one other thing, maybe like if every home did this, if every home on a block turned their garage into an ADU, so another, so now you've doubled the amount of homes on that, on that, on that that uh, what is it called, lot, right? right? I'm saying lot, block. Block is the word I was looking for. Where do all the cars go, <laughs> right? Do we need to build a, like, a giant parking ramp in the middle of every, you know, like, I, I don't know.
1: So we, we need people in our community. We need our population to grow. We have to find ways to bring people into this community, and parking should definitely not be a reason why right. we're not doing that you know so if that's the only argument then that's a pretty poor argument well we you know what we need to do is create communities where access to public transportation and walkability is encouraged and i mean so- if all
0: grandmas and grandpas are living maybe they shouldn't be driving anyway <laughs> um all right we're gonna take one more break we'll wrap up and we come back Really. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk P. I'm just going to wrap up here with Kaya Fox, the Executive Director for Habitat for Humanity for the Greater Lacrosse Region. Um, oh, ADUs. We're, so we're talking about ADUs. The City Council, the City Committees are going to take this up next week. Um, it's something they, they put off for 60 days. The City Planning Commission actually voted against it, so the City Planning Commission will meet Monday. I don't know if they're voting again on it, but then the uh, the City Council put it off, but Um, ADUs. Oh, okay. Nicknames for them. Garage apartments, carriage houses, backyard, bungalows, alley flats, guest houses, in-law suites, accessory apartments. None of those are very good names, I don't think. And then granny flats, which is maybe the worst but funniest name. Um, I, and these are all names that Jennifer Trost had, uh, she wrote like a column on this and, uh, those are all the nicknames. She didn't add granny flats to that. I don't know why you didn't do that, Jennifer, but, um, Good for you And in her in her column she just I'll, I'll just read a little bit of it she says cities don't control interest rates, lenders, construction costs or who buys property and publicly owned housing while important is just a drop in the bucket. What cities do control is their zoning, municipal rules created over the last half century to restrict the uses of private property. Today the city of Lacrosse has a chance to remove barriers that have unintentionally limited housing availability and affordability and led to our present shortage the last 50 to 60 years of restrictive zoning has tended to produce one kind of house and discourage what we now call missing middle choices, smaller, more affordable, and on existing properties. One solution allowing residential property owners the option to construct accessory dwelling units on their own lots, which zoning has made illegal.
1: Absolutely. I I absolutely agree with that. And I think You know, again, you know, we we look at the world in the lens of, you know, how we grew up, the choices we made, the houses we bought, the families we raised. But if you take a look at traditionally moving forward, what families are looking for, the structure of those families, it's not the housing that we're building you know, they're looking for different types of housing, smaller access to downtowns and the city centers.
0: It's funny because people that are in the housing market now are be like, okay, well, I'm going to buy a house. Oh, I can't afford one. And that's it. Like that. I, I, uh, so therefore I'm going to have to rent and I can barely afford that. So the idea, if we bring more accessory dwelling units, I think that would, it's just the supply and demand, right? Like then there's Maybe there's more rentals. Like, if somebody's going to rent out their ADU for five hundred bucks a month, and if a lot of people did that, then the people that own property that rent it out, whether it's apartment buildings or whatever, you go, man, we're I'm, we're losing out because all these ADUs are out there for five hundred. Is that kind of the idea here?
1: That's part of it. A little uh, bit. Yeah, absolutely. And and I just think you know, I think Jennifer gets to a bigger picture is. You know, allowing property owners to make decisions for their own houses, you know, to stop putting such restrictions on them and and allowing for the opportunity for a wider variety of housing opportunities for people in our community that fits not every, you know, not everybody, but a, a certain number of individuals that would find this appealing and not stopping that from being a possibility in our communities. And, you know, at the end of the day, ADUs cost the city nothing. You know, there's no increased cost to changing the zoning and allowing for ADUs in backyards. And I don't think we're gonna see a mass rush for people to build ADUs. They're expensive, you know, right. you've got to hook things up. You have up. to plumb it,
0: right? Yes. Like you have to have you have to hook it this. I feel like that's gonna be a pretty big expense. Hooking in the thing. In fact, at some point we might go, you know what, we will help you hook your ADU to plumbing or to the sewer system and the water system because uh, bringing a big backhoe to your yard to dig out, dig out uh, to to put in pipes, I don't, it seems like a but, quite a, a, quite but ADUs
1: is a simple solution, a, a cost free solution for the city of Lacrosse to make a very quick change that would allow for greater opportunity. And so, if we can't get ADUs across the finish line as a simple solution for families, then you know, I have very high concerns that we're not going to meet the housing needs in our community because ADUs is just a piece of what we need to start looking at. And if we have such opposition to something that's so simple, um, then that means that there could be greater issues going down the road as far as a- finding answers to our housing problems.
0: You, you may or may not know the answer to this. The City of Lacrosse is dealing with this, but is like on Alaska, do they have the same rules against ADUs and are, you know, are they... Like people in outlying towns going, hey, we want to do ADUs too.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't think I know for sure whether on Alaska allows ADUs or not. It might be easier to find a variance to allow for it to be built. Um, it might not be, you know, strictly prohibited, you know, but the city of Lacrosse is the biggest city. And so to be the first to say yes, will open the door for other communities and other people to ask for similar things. And we can show, you know, the surrounding area that it's, it's not a, a hard solution and it's something that you know, provides a small answer to some of the issues that we're facing.
0: We've Less than a minute, but like the, a lot of new housing goes up, you know, as you go north, like Holman, there's all kinds of... Should people just plumb their garage? Like if they have an out garage, you know, it's not attached. Like right off the bat, if you're putting in new housing, hey, maybe just put, it, put the, the pipes in there already because... Down the road you that might come
1: in handy. Oh, absolutely. If it's right? allowable, people might be thinking ahead like that. Right. Like if, if if this we decide that we want to, we've got if we're running a lateral to a new house, we might as well run one potentially for a future ADU. Who
0: wouldn't love a nice garage bathroom until you decide to make it an ADU? Yeah, That's- you just got a bathroom in your garage. It's perfect.
1: Let's make that a thing. <laughs> all
0: right. That's Kai Fox. She's the executive director of uh, of Habitat for Humanity for the of the Greater Lacrosse region. Man, look at I tripped all over that. Thanks, guy.
1: Take care.